It was only a few steps from her home in Prospect Street to the Fountain, the inn on the seafront, where Meg worked whenever the landlady, Mrs Dunn, sent word to say she was needed. The building was clad in weatherboarding, with a wooden terrace supported by timbers on the east side, commanding a fine view over the sea. The inn's name, painted on both sides of the building, came from the water fountain that fed the stone horse trough on Beach Street. Inside, low ceilings and alcoves, half-screened with dark wood, lent themselves to hushed conversations and plans being hatched. Meg loitered for a few moments outside and watched the moon rising over the water. It was a full moon, a perfect circle, trailing a silver path across the dark, still sea to the distant horizon. The inn would be busy that night, she thought. No wonder Mrs Dunn had need of her. The clear moonlight would put a stop to any smuggling. The French ships involved in the trade would be lying at anchor offshore, inconspicuous among all the other vessels there. Those were waiting for supplies, for crew, for a favourable wind to set them safely on their way to London or across the sea. Some of the sailors would have been given leave earlier that day to row over and beach their small boats on the shingle tumbling over each other and wetting their feet in their hurry to gain land. The town of Castle Bay was well known for the quantity of taverns within two streets of the shoreline and the number of pleasure houses set among them. The smugglers out at sea would be waiting impatiently aboard their boats, hoping that the following night would bring clouds and the opportunity to offload their goods onto the galleys rowed out from Castle Bay. Meg, too, was waiting although it wasn't rum or tea that she was expecting. There was a stranger in the fountain that night. She'd spotted him at once. He looked out of place. His dark coat was too well cut, his boots were fine leather, and his hands, when he accepted his tankard and handed over his coin, were smooth, the nails neatly trimmed. He was not a man who spent his days toiling to earn a wage. She watched with amusement as he attempted to engage the other drinkers in conversation. They tolerated him for a few exchanges of pleasantries, then closed ranks against him, turning their backs so he was edged out. After four or five such rebuffs as he circled the room, he returned to the bar, a despondent expression on his face. Meg served him with more ale. Then, as he lingered, watching the room, she said, You're not from these parts, I take it? No, from London, the man replied. He seemed wary of offering more information. And what brings you here from the city? Meg asked, although she could guess. Others like him had tried their hand at taking a slice of the lucrative smuggled brandy or tea trade and failed. The Silver Street gang had their distribution networks nicely set up and they weren't about to be impressed by the promise of riches from London. There's a gentleman in the city who asked me to find him some goods, the sort he can sell in his shop, goods for which his customers would pay well. Oh! Meg lifted a tankard from its hook behind the bar and poured the ale for one of the regulars, William Huggett, who had just come in. She handed it over, giving him her best smile, then turned back to her city customer. What sort of things are you looking for? 
She was unwilling to name the most obvious, wanting him to be the first to do so. It was as well to be cautious. He didn't look like a revenue man, but they could be wily. One evening, old Frederick Larkin had drunk more than was good for him, and on the way home had fallen into the trap of believing the weasel words of a revenue man waiting in the shadows, pretending to be the go-between he was expecting. The lucky guess on the revenue man's part had seen old Mr Larkin lurching happily round to Market Street to show him the trap door from the street that gave access to the kegs of brandy stacked in his cellar. The reward for his foolishness had been a hefty fine, the confiscation of his brandy and a cellar filled with shingle to discourage him from pursuing that line of trade again. It had happened six months ago, but was still fresh in the memory of everyone there. Not least Frederick Larkin, who was sitting in the corner nursing the only jar of ale he'd be able to afford all night. Strangers at the fountain, inside or out, were never good news.